Welcome to Observe and Be Kind, a podcast series with Sharon Mullen, a stress and trauma therapist based in Lismore, New South Wales, Australia. Sharon works with both the physical and mental effects of stress and trauma using a combination of mind and body work. She is a qualified counsellor and a Buddhist practitioner. She is trained in TRE and tapping. Her greatest attributes are her compassion and sense of humour. Sharon is Irish. You will be entertained. You've called your podcast Observe and Be Kind. Can you tell us why? I've called my podcast Observe and Be Kind after trying to find a way to fit the word trauma into the name, but any we tried were taken, which I was actually happy about. So I had to think about what it is I do, and it came to me. What do I say all the time? I say my job is to observe and be kind. Since I was a kid, I've been interested in finding out what's really going on. I was famous for it even. I've watched and I've listened, not just to what was being said, but how it was being said. I looked for patterns. As a kid, that was to keep me out of trouble, to be fair. My startle response was driving the bus. Now as a therapist and indeed as a parent, I am listening with all my senses to see what's really being said and I ask questions now to find out the patterns. Being kind is primarily about creating safety. After that, it's many things, yet I put it into two categories, what I call Byron Bay or Santa Fe kindness, you know, that gentle, always talking to the inner child, calm, relaxed, endless patience, always being there, total listening. And then there's the Dublin kindness, which is Fairfax is a telling off. So what exactly are you looking for when you're observing? It's a great question to ask, what am I looking for when I'm observing? So let me explain a completed trauma cycle. This is what makes sense to me and it's how I explain to my clients what the process is that we're going to go through and what they're going through, to be fair, day to day. So first of all, we're starting off with socially engaged. Then there's number two, fight and flight, charged, ready to move or moving. And then into freeze, number three, and then four, fight and flight discharged, which happens in therapy, in my case, and to complete the cycle, we turn to socially engaged. So I wanted to observe where the person operates within this cycle. Most of the time when people come to me, they're socially engaged, they're able to tell me what's going on, um, they're aware of where we are. They'll maybe have a little bit of rabbit in the headlights because they don't know me, maybe the first time. They're new to the building, maybe even new to the town. But they're able to talk to me. They're with me. Then sometimes people are agitated, showing me signs of being in fight and flight. Others are very quiet. I have to coax them, draw their story out of them. These people appear frozen to me. And then there are those who are moving involuntarily. Legs are twitching, they're crying a lot. It seems to me that their bodies are discharging already. They're a little bit out of control. So let me explain more about this cycle. When we are choosing to be still, we are socially engaged. So choosing to be still is the the operative words there to to take in. Even if alone, we're present and engaged with our environment. We're, We're happy with where we are. We're acting from what's called a parasympathetic nervous system. Then let's say there's a loud noise, very loud noise. We would automatically go into fight and flight. No choice about the matter, it's on. Uh, We're now acting out of our sympathetic nervous system. And remember, it's automatic. 
So any time that you, you're thinking, oh, why did I do that? Our system takes over. That's how we've evolved. We don't get to choose. So our bodies are definitely moving internally and ideally externally. Yet, if the threat is too big for us to, to fight or flee, our nervous system deems it safer for us to freeze, to, to collapse. That's number three. And this too is happening automatically. Again, please remember that. We have a tendency to give ourselves a hard time about this process. But if it's happening involuntarily, we don't have a choice. And that collapse can be anything from not being, just not being able to talk and knowing that you're not being able to talk right the way through to fainting. Left the building, you're gone. And we are now back in the parasympathetic nervous system. Only this time we did not choose to be still. Our nervous system decided for us. So the parasympathetic is a place where we live in stillness out of choice or not. Now, if we've learned to discharge the fight and flight energy we didn't use, then we will let it out. We will move, cry, wail, shake, sigh until the system calms and returns to socially engaged. Usually this does not happen automatically unless we have been educated on how to do it or we've just naturally been allowed to as children. More often, we hold on to it. And that's why we need therapy. What does all this mean day to day before you find therapy? For those who do not know how to discharge, they are often caught in a loop. Worst case scenario, they are never socially engaged, which is very sad. When all is well for them, the frozen state may soften a little and the fight and flight energy will bubble up. They will behave inappropriately sometimes, which will scare them and sometimes others, causing them to return to freeze. This loop can often be referred to as post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. I'm not a fan of the term for two reasons. One, it seems unfair to call it a disorder when the nervous system is only doing what it knows how to do until given some more skills. And two, the word post indicates that the event is in the past Yet for the person suffering, it feels like it's still happening. Mostly I see people who are living in fight and flight, as they often describe it, and find they can't control their behavior and it's distressing them and those around them. Or people who tell me they are fine and then suddenly not. Often they don't notice till later. They tell me they are frozen or fine, socially engaged, and then often when it's not appropriate, they behave in a way they regret usually not doing what they want, usually going along and wish they could say no, but mostly saying yes. So I'm listening to find out, simply put, are they a fight and flighter or a freezer? Then we go from there. So once you know the diagnosis, which kind do you choose? Kindness begins the moment I first talk to or meet with a person. That can be on the phone or in person. My job is to provide the opposite circumstances of when the trauma happened. But I also need to meet the person where they are. So if a client is very quiet, I will be quiet. If they are loud, I'll be loud. And if their energy is high, mine needs to be high too. What type of kindness will depend on what's needed? And are there other ways to describe observing and be kind? I've asked myself. Other ways we could look at observing and being kind are listening versus talking, empathy versus compassion, non-movement versus movement. So if observing is listening, empathy and being still, then being kind is talking, being compassionate and moving. This is all just to make sense of what we're talking about specifically here. Compassion is often, I think, 
Certainly, I used to think so. Seen as something that's very gentle, yet I know that can look very brutal too. It's all about the intention. It's all about love. Going back now to what type of kindness is needed, well, that depends on what type of love is needed. Is it gentle love or is it tough love? Sometimes I have to tell the truth. That's hard for the person to hear. Last year, I had a client who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. They were in total denial and that made for an unsafe situation. My job was to open this person's eyes so they could choose how they spent their final weeks or months or whatever they had. This was requested by their family. But to begin with, I just listened to her tell me about her life. She had had little choice most of her life and this is what upset her. Now she had no one to please. She had, she had choice. So she couldn't accept that she was going to die. It seemed unfair. Lots of gentle compassion was needed. But the weeks were going by and gentleness was no longer working, so I became very firm. My goodness, I found myself telling her what was going to happen, what potential awfulness lay ahead, and she fought me. Why wouldn't she? She was terrified. Oh, she cried and she cried and she came to realise, yet she, she was so grateful. So she decided what she wanted and thank goodness when she went, she went quietly in her sleep a few weeks later timing. Her family too were very grateful because those last weeks were peaceful. What's the point of all this observing and be kind though? The point of all this observing and being kind or empathy and compassion is to inform and educate the person that their stress and or their trauma is not a life sentence. It is possible to be happy, possible to be happier, to be free of the past, to be freer in the present, to control and have a choice about how they behave. The road we take is negotiated together. Trauma takes away your choice and I want to give that back to you. It's all about skills. Trauma is caused by neglect and parenting your parents. We'll talk more about that in the future. But if just for a moment we briefly look at neglect. Neglect means we don't know what to do. So my job is mostly to educate, to teach the person the skills of how to observe and be kind. So what would be something you could tell us that would make us feel less alone in all of this? I thought a lot about what it means to be mentally well or unwell. And what makes sense to me is this. However long it takes for us to adjust to change shows where we are at mentally. There are many factors at play, of course, if our basic needs have not been met, how well we've eaten, slept, how we're housed, all that stuff. If we are in pain or unwell, ill... If we're in a healthy relationship or not, there are so many factors. What we were born with, even. My point is, if we can observe our adjustment to change and be kind to where we are at, and no more, it is a wonderful place to start. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to find out more, head over to the show notes at sharonmullen.com.au forward slash podcasts. Sign up to the newsletter to stay in touch or find Sharon on Facebook and Instagram at Sharon Mullen Therapy.